of your weekend breakfast with Rifilwe Mbakanyane on 702. Let's walk the talk. Absolutely time to walk that parenting talk with uh, Nikki Bush. She is, of course, our resident child and um, human potential expert. She's a speaker. She is an author. And this morning she graces us with her presence and she's live in studio. So uh, your calls, uh, you can give us a, shout, a call rather on 011-883-0702. This morning we are looking at how to help families raise their social confidence again post-pandemic instead, instead of suffering from shrinking violence. Violet syndrome. Right on the nose, Nikki. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> so you mentioned shrinking violet syndrome. And I just, it takes me back to a conversation that I had with my, uh, my child's grade one teacher. And I remember asking her, how are you coping with these little people whose first experience of school is during these COVID, pan, uh, COVID uh, pandemic times and all these restrictions? They have to be a meter apart in class. The windows are open. The masks are on. And when they go, go out to break, they sit in grids so that they don't interact. And I asked her, what in the world is this doing to children? And she said, well, we can see some effects right now in the you know immediate repercussions, but um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with these kids in the long run. And I guess that's part of what you're unpacking this morning, Nikki. Exactly. And as you mentioned, the grids, which literally they drew or put masking tape down on the, yeah. on the floor to yeah. make sure children <clears throat> knew where they're, demarcated space began and ended mm. um, children are having to now break out of that prison okay mm. because it's it's a psychological prison our children have been taught and excuse my voice <clears throat> I, I've got such a frog in my throat they've been no taught to fear mm. each other that human beings were actually scary mm. other human beings in those times where children had to sit in that little block <coughs> excuse me um we really had those situations where they even had to bring their own toys to school yes yeah so they got used to saying this is my space these are my toys and don't touch mm. okay for all good for reason. good reason yeah all for good reason <laughs> yeah but the world has changed again and now we can drop those guards but the problem is kids have been used to saying, me, 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 my, 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 mm-hmm. I, I, I. At home, they're used to being the kingpin and the queen bee, where they were afforded special luxuries, mm. where they perhaps had more one-on-one attention. Now they're back in a class of 25 to 35 kids, and they're having to sink or swim, learn social etiquette mm-hmm. all over again, take turns, even when another child is speaking, to listen, to put up their hand, Mm -hmm. to wait their turn. And they're sitting in a situation where they have one teacher to X number of children. Mm -hmm. And teachers are, are telling me that kids don't know how to behave in a group anymore. I mean, that's really fascinating, Nikki. You're asking the question, have we and our children, right, become socially unfit? And I'll, you know, at first you go, well, surely it was just two years of various stages of lockdown and restrictions. Surely just a short period of two years couldn't have impacted behavior so noticeably and so drastically. And yet you're saying it has. Well, let's think about how quickly it takes to create a new habit. Experts generally talk about 21 days. 
Mm-hmm. Even if you doubled that to 42 days, we've had two and a half years of on-off lockdowns. Mm-hmm. And that is long enough for us to have built up walls of protection, psychological and emotional protection. Mm-hmm. And those walls have led to us being socially awkward, mm. socially unfit. On, a, on an adult level, let's look at this because this is not just happening to our children. And remember, we are fantastic mirrors for our children and role models for our children. Experts are saying that as adults, our social network in the real world has reduced by 25%. I'm sure that number's higher. <laughs> I'm thinking I think of myself. That, I think, well, yes, you know, you've, yeah. also, you've, you've also had a baby and been pregnant and had to be extra careful sure. and, you know, all of those things. But if you consider that our own social networks have reduced by at least 25%, what we're seeing when we have company events in person sure is that some people are coping better than others when it comes to networking because when you have uh, either a client event or an internal event you might know everybody you might not younger people especially so we're talking from children through to teens through to people in their early careers say up to 35 okay don't have a deep blueprint for socialization anyway, for networking anyway, mm-hmm. especially if you're slightly introverted or slightly shy. Sure. And the pandemic made you even more introverted and even shyer. Mm. And you haven't had time to practice those social skills because if you are shy and people don't believe it, I was a very shy child. <laughs> and you're laughing and everyone laughs. I can, I can actually believe it. I'm also shy. And this is what we're doing right now. We're on the radio speaking to... Hundreds and thousands of people. People, exactly. We're putting ourselves out there. That's really what this conversation is about. Putting yourself out there takes effort. Mm. It takes pushing through the inertia of going, well, if you're shy or introverted, there's a natural inertia. But what's developed, even in people who are not shy and introverted, is an artificial inertia that that came about due to the pandemic. Mm. I can't. I won't. I shouldn't. And we now have to break down that barrier and get out there again because social awkwardness is not a good success strategy. <laughs> you know, if you think about it. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I know that as a shy child, I had to push through that, that, that barrier very consciously. I woke up to the fact that social awkwardness was not a good strategy at around between the ages of 13 and 15. Mm-hmm. When I looked at the successful people around me, I realized that they were not the shy ones. Yeah. They were the ones who pushed themselves out there, who were very involved. And I took a leaf out of their book and made a conscious decision that I was going to shift and be brave mm-hmm. and courageous and push myself out there. Was it difficult? Yes. Was it tough? Absolutely. Did it take a lot of effort? Yes, because it was far easier and more comfortable to stay at home in my own bubble than it was to push myself out there. Sure. Now, what we're seeing in children is that they want to stay in that little bubble that's so comfortable. And of course, the screen has become the companion. Mm-hmm. And I had a mum the other day tell me that she had a bunch of boys around for a play date. She was doing the right thing. Sure. 
four Child kids. Child is socialising. Four kids round. You've got kids over. Socialising the children. Mm-hmm. She walked into the room and they were all on their phones. Mm. And they were having a conversation with each other on their phones. Now, I met a 16-year-old recently who had a birthday party and she had kids around and she had a box at the door and yeah. she asked everyone to pop their phones in the box. Sure. And so if we put some kind of intervention in place, we will overcome that boundary of the doo-doo blanket of this is how I communicate the on screen. a screen. Yeah. Okay. You see, on a screen, we, we have great conversations but they're not three-dimensional conversations like you and I are having here right now where we get a lot more clues from each other than if we were just on a screen. Mm. And you and I know each other. You know, we can kind of guess some of the nuances, but maybe we get them wrong every now and again sure. on a screen. Mm. We're having to guess through the ether, the depth of the feeling, the emotion, and all of those things. So it's an invisible prison that mm. we have to break out of because what it's leading to is... In the real world, when we actually get together in the real world, and we're seeing this on the playground with children, tentativeness, awkwardness, Mm. going to the extremes where, you know, they touch someone, but they push them Mm. instead of because they're not used to being in social contact and physical contact. The bullying is up. Children who are needing to be seen and heard in the crowd are being too loud, too noisy, too pushy, Mm. too overbearing, or the other extreme of being ultra-withdrawn in a crowd. That's fascinating. Lots of work, obviously, for parents to do, but lots of work for teachers as well to do, to re-socialise children as well as re-socialising themselves. Where to begin, uh, Nikki? You're a parent at home. You've just mentioned, Mm. you've alluded to the fact that your own network has shrunk by at least 25%, right? So you need to look at yourself and then look at your child. Where and how to work around this? Yeah, so um, as I said, we're role models for our children. And yes, for us, it's much easier to binge watch on Netflix on the weekend and kick our feet up and, you know, on the couch and have our coffee and Mm. rusks and whatever than it is to invite another family around for a bride. So just take the good old South African braai. What can we do if we, if we invite one family over with the children? Sure. We need to be good facilitators here. We need to get excited about the experience. We need to get our kids in the kitchen, um, preparing the food with us, lighting the fire, the braai, whatever. And then when the friends come round, I really do uh, strongly recommend that Playing games is the best way to break down walls between people. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget going to a, a, a dinner, a supper with my parents to one of my dad's business associates one day. And they were a Dutch family. We'd never met the children. And it's quite awkward. You oh, know? yeah. You get We'd never there. met the parents. <laughs> you We'd t- never met the children. <laughs> Here we're having a family occasion. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a little bit awkward. The best thing was that the mums set up a game. Mm-hmm. Because play is another language. It transcends the barriers. It transcends language, words, and it's a different form of connection. And there are such fun games to play. It doesn't even have to be a boxed game. Um, it, it could be, I mean, I play games with potatoes and a deck of cards. and So break the rules in a way, sure. you know, of doing things slightly differently. So a braai plus a game of cards, even just rummy. 
fish. Or fish. And even playing those games um, with older children, like teenagers. Because teenagers have also become very siloed because they're very much into social media and Mm, into their phones. And I I think um, we've talked about this before. There's a game that is is on, uh, just Google Nikki Bush and Newmarket. Mm -hmm. And you will find a gambling game with butter beans and a deck of cards. And it's an absolute surefire icebreaker in any environment. And of course, the next time those that family or those kids come around, they're going to ask to play Newmarket. Sure. Laughter, the facial expressions change, the walls between people come down and they stop being scared of each other because self-isolation has been driven by fear. Mm. You need to remember that. Yeah. And, and and as you said, Nikki, it makes sense, right? We had we were isolated for a reason, but now that coping mechanism or that survival mechanism has essentially fallen into the maladaptive category. So we need to be, we need to be aware of the fact that what worked then doesn't yes. work now in the long term. And this speaks to change. It speaks to adaptability and flexibility. Change is going to be the watchword of the future. Mm. It's going to be continuous. And so we need to show our kids how to be adaptable, how to be flexible. Because what happens with the self-isolation driven by fear is it leads to um, the world contracting and getting smaller. It leads to the fact that you stop sharpening your social skills and you lose your confidence. Sure. And when you start losing your confidence, it's quite hard to get up again because you feel like there's this pushback against you and it's actually all internal you lose your voice and you stop contributing and this is an interesting one Mm -hmm. and it's not conducive to growth of course you know and the world begins to seem like a bad place now i've had quite a bit of isolation myself just in the past few months I got COVID just after Easter Mm. and I was in bed for two weeks. I had no voice Mm. physically for three weeks. I couldn't even phone my mum for a conversation. Sure. I can't tell you how isolated I felt, how alone I felt. You know, people didn't come and visit me because I was infectious. Of course. But there was no point visiting me because I couldn't talk. Mm. And it was incredible how I felt my world shrinking. And then I had a double eye op Mm. and I couldn't see. So... Mm. I have felt very, very isolated for a good kind of two and a half months. And I feel the immense inertia and the need to push back against it, which is taking a lot of effort. Sure. Me being here in studio is part of me developing this get out, go out, push myself out discipline. Mm-hmm. I'm having to work at it. Well, using yourself then as, you know, as a, as a case study, just give us, a, just describe to us what it feels like. I mean, I've said, I said this already the first time yes. you were in studio. I said, it's just amazing <clears throat> to see another human being or a different person in studio joining us. It does something to the energy, to the vibe, to me, right? How have you, how did you feel coming out of that isolation and being able to see other human beings? So this is feeding my soul. You know, I think it's that that soul food and it's that yumminess, mm. you know. And um, and I had a professional association, speakers association meeting on Thursday night. Sure. And there's an interesting one. We've It's exciting. We're back to in-person meetings, but to get people there. Because they have to get out of their own prison, their own yeah. minds. I was so excited to go. But, you know, just before I left, 
there was this, I could stay at home and do it virtually. <laughs> there was this little thought. I could. And it was cold on Thursday night. Yes, absolutely. I could have stayed at home. I'm so glad I went mm. because it fed my soul. Um, got to speak to people in person. Got to share. Got to catch up with people. Find out where they're at. And here's the other thing. Find out what your own impact on the world actually is mm. because of how people react to you. And that's so exciting, you know, that we can become cheerleaders again in a different way. And we've done it really well online. Sure. Let's not discount that. And we've been able to do it well. But there's something else. There's an X factor to this thing of face-to-face, of, -face, of this networking, of making your circle bigger, of making your relationships stronger, more powerful. Mm. Um, there's that word called trust. And I think trust as a human being is a massive thing. Mm. To build trust in relationships, knowing there are people you can count on, call on, trust in, believe in, who have your back. We need to take this getting out again, you know, as part of that building trust. Mm. Mm. Celebrating humanity. Uh, you know, it's just, it's wonderful uh, to be able to get a hug. Self-discovery is another thing mm. that we miss out on if we avoid face-to-face -face interactions. What do you mean by that? People are mirrors for us. They hold up mirrors for us to see ourselves. And it's really important to have feedback. Mm. Um, I was able to give the speaker the other night feedback. I was doing the vote of thanks mm -hmm. for her presentation. And she has not done a lot of stuff in person in the past two and a half years the look on her face it was like i had poured fertilizer and water all over <laughs> her and she just was so grateful for the edification in person yeah. and while i was doing the vote of thanks i was able to incorporate every other person in the room name them you know incorporate sure. them and those are the kinds of skills that that we need to to find again, sure. to nurture again. And we can do it. You know, we really can do it. Another thing for families, why not have a carpool? Mm. If you've got families in the same physical suburb as you who go to the same school, carpool, lift club, because in that lift club, kids get to socialize in the car. They get to walk into school together. Mm -hmm. They strengthen numbers and go to NikkiBush.com and go and download Word Games for the Car. Okay. And play Lovely. games in the car. Break down those barriers. I can, build I, up your kids' social confidence I again. can just imagine the lovely dynamics that that sets up because nobody's going anywhere. You're confined <laughs> until you get to school and uh, you're forced to interact, get to know each other, right? And explore various elements, uh, facets rather, Absolutely. of your relationships with those people. All right, fascinating stuff. Nikki, really quickly, how do you allay your child's fears about, or reticence rather, or that inertia that you spoke about, about getting out and about? Well, I think you have to have conversations and I think they need to see you doing it most important of all. Mm. If you're doing it, it's safe for them to do it. Yeah. Just like in the pandemic, you isolating yourself made it okay for them to isolate themselves. So fix yourself and you'll fix your child. Fantastic Best thing stuff. to do. Fantastic. Nikki Bush, always a pleasure. Looking forward to our conversation next week.